This morning, the reading is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 18. This section is called The Marks of the True Christian. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I gotta tell you guys, it's weird to stand up here instead of sit down there with the kids, so uh, bear with me. Um, so for the past few, mo- past few months, Pastor Amy has been inviting members of the congregation periodically to share parts of their faith story. And when she asked me if I would fill in for her today as she finishes her vacation, she said something along the lines of, it's your turn to share your story. So what she knows is that there's a part of my story that I've not actually shared very openly here in the church, and she wouldn't ever push me to do that. Um, But with those words, it's your turn to share your story, what she did was kind of gently nudge me in a direction that I really needed to take, to kind of take a final step down a path that actually started in this very room a couple years ago. So that's where we're going this morning. Um, I want to start by actually recommending an amazing book. Um, There is a Christian author named Rachel Held Evans. Does anybody know her? Um, I highly recommend her latest book. It's called Inspired, Slaying Giants, Walking Walking on Water, and Loving the Bible Again. Um, it's, it's amazing. She takes kind of stories we all know, rewrites them from different perspectives, uh, looks at them with kind of different ways of interweaving different traditions of understanding the Bible, and then kind of brings it all home to what does that mean for me here today in 2018. Um, it's, it's a really masterful way of looking at things. I was, I, I read it like almost cover to cover in a day. It was amazing. Um, So she says something in her book that I wanted to share with you all this morning. And what she says is, We live inside an unfinished story, a story that began with the Spirit of God hovering over the primordial waters at the beginning of time and which took a dramatic, climactic turn 2,000 years ago when that same God became human, lived among us, and beat death once and for all. We share this story with Mary Magdalene and the Apostle Paul, we share it with St. Augustine and Julian of Norwich, Desmond Tutu and Lema Gabawi. We share it with the pastor who runs the soup kitchen out of the church basement and with the first guy in line to eat there each week. The stories we tell with our lives, then, aren't meaningless absurdities, tragic in their brevity, but rather subplots of a grander narrative, every moment charged with significance as we contribute our own riffs, soliloquies, and plot twists to the larger epic. 
the Holy Spirit coaxing us along with an ever-abulient, and then, and then, and then. She's good. She's really good. Like, that's just a piece of it. But I love this idea of us living inside an unfinished story. And our personal chapter is just one of many in a story that includes all generations of years past, present, and future. And we're all connected by the common thread that is the and then of the Holy Spirit. We all have an unfinished story. And this is a piece of mine, one that's equal parts grace and grit. So I was lucky to have in my life up until last year um, an amazing example of a life lived from a place of grace and grit in my great Aunt Mildred. I knew her as Amy. She lived to be 103 years old. She lived every day on her own terms. Um, She was phenomenal. Her life was not always easy. She lived through challenges from childhood through her final years that would have made others question their faith in God. But in her, those challenges strengthened her faith. She lived her life with so much love and faith and grace, you may not have guessed she'd seen her more than her share of hard times. The scripture today, Romans 12, 9 through 18, encourages us to be love in action and to have faith-filled perseverance. My Amy personified love in action and faith-filled, super, faith-filled perseverance. Her superpower was being able to make every person she came across feel seen and known and loved I don't think it's an exaggeration to say she promised to pray for every single person she ever met, and then she followed through. I never said goodbye to her, whether it was in person with a hug or on the phone, without her saying to me, Jesus loves you, and so do I. She walked through the world telling everybody, Jesus loves you, and so do I. Time and again, when I've struggled in my own journey, I've heard clear as can be Amy's voice in my head reminding me of the truth that I am loved and the grace that comes with that. And in many ways, that simple promise, Jesus loves you and so do I, is the foundation on which so much of who I am today was built. And that foundation is one of grace and grit. What I know beyond doubt is that we all need to both openly receive and give grace to fully live. Living from a place of grace means allowing for possibility and perspective and choices. Living from a place of grace means allowing for mistakes and second chances. Living from a place of grace means acknowledging that God is the keeper of the master plan, but grace isn't always enough. Sometimes we need some grit as well. And grit is digging deep. Grit is the courage to put my voice out into the world. Grit is what propels me when emotional energy is stretched to capacity and it can be difficult to see or feel the grace in life. Grit is what propelled me to answer a call from God when he showed up and pointed me in a direction that both surprised and frightened me. Still feels weird to say it out loud, but God has spoken to me. He spoke to me right here in this very sanctuary. I was sitting um, right about where the cultures are sitting right now. It was Maundy Thursday of 2016. I walked into this worship service that night full of pain and questioning, and I walked out with answers in the form of clear directions from God. If we go back to the idea of living inside an unfinished story, this is where there'd be a major plot twist in mine. We're going to get to there, but before we follow that plot twist, I want to back up a little bit and fill in a few of the details that got me to that pew. So many of you know my son, Owen. Many of you have known him since he was born, since he was just a wish and a prayer for me and Brian. Um, I want to, before I go any further, say how brave this kid is. 
He has given me permission to share some pretty personal information with all of you that's part of his own story. And it's not necessarily just mine to tell. I needed his permission to tell it. But this part of his story is so inextricably tied to the part of my story that I want to share that he knew I couldn't share this story without also sharing some of his. Sorry. One of his superpowers is the same as that of my Amy in that love, in that loving people for who they are and where they are. And it's because of that love that he's letting me share this story. And he's so brave. Give me a second. (laughs) Okay, we can do this, right? We can do hard things. We can do this. Okay, so Owen. My intelligent, compassionate, theater-loving, video game-obsessed, musically gifted, witty 12-year-old son also happens to have a level 1 autism spectrum disorder, an anxiety disorder, a panic disorder, and clinical depression. Somewhere between the ages of 8 and 9, essential parts of his personality that seemed just quirky when he was young suddenly became entrenched and increasingly problematic. As parents, we recognized there was something wrong for two years before we had a diagnosis to confirm our suspicions. For two years, we consulted various specialists, consented to a variety of tests and assessments, and cycled our son through multiple therapists and multiple versions of therapy. It took literally seven different specialists, hundreds of hours, and thousands of dollars to get the answers we needed. Through all that time, I was praying more fervently than I had ever prayed before, and yet the prayers I prayed were not being answered. When I talk to kids about prayer, both my own kids and the kids in my ministry, I talk about the fact that sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers in the way we want or expect. And sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers at all. Prayer is how we talk to God and build a strong relationship with him. If we pray about something but don't see the outcome we are hoping for, we have to remember that God is not our fairy godmother and prayers are not meant to be a wish list for the things we want. So that's what I say. But what I did for the better part of two years is that every day, for months on end, I prayed for answers. I prayed for resolution of problems. I prayed for things to be easier. I prayed for God to take away everything that is hard, uncomfortable, messy, painful, and ugly in our lives. I prayed a wish list, and God didn't answer those prayers the way I wanted him to answer. In the months and years that I prayed those prayers, I watched my son retreat further into his anxiety and pain. Brian and I struggled to be the best partners and parents we could be and didn't always succeed. Casey became increasingly confused about her relationship with her brother. In the months and years I prayed those prayers, my family was breaking, and I had many, many moments of anger toward God that my prayers had gone unanswered. But they were not unanswered prayers. What I was asking for was the equivalent of, hey, God, could you just make this all go away? Isn't there a magic wand you can wave? And that's not the way it works. What he did give me was strength and perseverance to keep looking for answers, hope that there won't always be so much struggle, and people who love me even when I have been at my most unlovable. He gave me what I needed, not what I wanted, grace and grit. When I stopped and looked around, I realized he had been listening all along. He had been listening and answering my prayers in a way that has helped me to be stronger in myself and stronger in my faith. When I started actually doing what I tell the kids to do, there was no doubt that God is at work in my life. 
And the work he was preparing to do through me was way out of my comfort zone. As I sat with my family in church on Monday, Thursday of 2016, I stopped praying my wish list, and for the first time in a long time, I heard an answer. When I stopped praying that wish list, I heard a message in my heart and soul, a message telling me I needed to share our story. I had never before even thought about sharing our story. In fact, in certain places, including right here at church, we were actively avoiding talking about what we were facing. But on that Maundy Thursday of 2016, there was a voice firmly and lovingly telling me it was what I needed to be doing. I felt God here with me that night, and I clearly heard him calling me to share our story. So since that night in 2016, I've been sharing our story in as many places and ways as I can. It has become my personal mission in life to shine a light on the fact that on some level, each and every one of us is a little broken and that there is beauty in the brokenness. I keep a blog called We're All a Little Broken. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's a truth I think we're all better acknowledging. It's grace and it's grit. Galatians 6.2 tells us, Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. By sharing our story, I am both allowing others to help bear our burden and also helping to bear the burdens of others. Somewhere along the way, the little blog bloomed into a small community of people all over the world who are reading my words and finding some meaning. Somewhere along the way, our story began to resonate with those who read it and can see a similarity to their own family and us, with those who read and see the struggles and triumphs of their own loved one in my son or in my daughter, with those who read and are having their own perspective shifted, with those who read and sigh with relief to know that they are not alone on the journey. And sharing parts of our own unfinished story, I have also created space for others to share some of their own unfinished stories in return. And when the doubt creeps in and I begin to question why God showed up and called me called me of all people to this unexpected and sometimes incredibly uncomfortable place, I close my eyes and take a deep breath and listen for my Amy's voice in my head reminding me, Jesus loves you and so do I. And that is what allows me to find the grace and the grit I need to continue speaking out about this part of our unfinished story. So I speak out. I speak out for my son, who can't always find the words himself to express his experiences or feelings, but he reads my blog, and he's written a little of his own, and he tells me how proud he is that his story is helping others. I speak out for my daughter, who is already an amazing force for good in this world, and I hope she finds some inspiration in my journey as she charts her own path. I speak out for my husband, who is my partner, ally, and greatest supporter in this life we did not expect. I speak out for the childhood friend who has confided her own son's struggles that in many ways mirror my son's challenges. I speak out for the high school friend who has confided in me her own daughter's challenges navigating life with an anxiety disorder. I speak out for the college friend who talked with me about her own hunches and fears on the eve of the first in a series of diagnostic appointments for her own young son. I speak out for the friend whose adolescent nephew was hospitalized as he battles depression. I speak out for the people I've never met, yet who send me messages thanking me for my words, words that have helped them feel they are not alone in their own struggle. I speak out for all the parents and caregivers who are searching for answers. 
I speak out for all the family and friends who are trying to understand and wanting to be supportive. I speak out because the raw and broken parts of our lives are as real and formative and important as the beautiful parts of our lives. I speak out for the one in five people who will be affected by mental illness in their life. I speak out because I know our story is not just our story. I speak out because our story is the story of millions of other families in the United States who are struggling with mental illness. I speak out because there are stories to be told, and God is in those stories, even and especially when we don't think he is. Let us pray. Surprising God, we know that we live inside an unfinished story. As our own stories continue to be written, help us to truly love each other, encourage us to pursue what is good, to live in true devotion to one another, and to serve each other with enthusiasm. Remind us to always rejoice, to both give and receive grace, and to strengthen grace with grit. For hope is always just around the corner. May your blessing, the love of Jesus Christ, and the presence of the Holy Spirit strengthen and sustain us in all things. Amen.